The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today's show is about intuition and addiction. This is Healthy Living with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. My name is Dr. Mona Lisa. The show is in on intuition and addiction. Have you had problems? Can't stop eating? Just one more chip. Drinking, shopping, or rescuing? Is your buying out of control on Amazon, eBay? You have trouble at Costco buying all those packages of, oh, I don't know, shampoo, oh, toilet paper, more than you would need in 8 million years? You have problems rescuing more and more and more people. If this is you, this show is for you. Because whether it's hitting the wine or the Ben and Jerry's, worry and anxiety for you or your loved ones can cause a compulsion, and that can be an addiction. Me, your intuitive doctor, is going to help you solve this emotional, physical, and spiritual problem called intuition addiction. We're taking your calls toll-free. Well, it's actually not toll-free, but we're taking your calls during the show for a mini reading or question called 207-846-6475-207-846-6475. And if you're shy and want a reading that's private, go to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com and subscribe so this show, Healthy Living Intuitively, with me, Dr. Mona Lisa, podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But remember, this forum is educational only. It's not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship. Give a diagnosis, prescribe treatment, or do psych- psychotherapy. Please contact your health pro- provider to obtain treatment. If you're in an emergency right now, back away from the Zoom back away from the Zoom and go to your nearest emergency room. So what is my definition for intuition? Capacity to make correct decisions with insufficient information. Something coming into your head that seeing something that's not based on seeing something in the world an inner sight, hearing something that's not based on something from the outer world, feeling something inside of you, but not having something touch your skin and so on and so on. It's what people usually call the sixth sense, sixth sense but there are actually 10. For each sense we have, we have a matching ones. So if we have vision, we have clairvoyance. If we have hearing, we have clairaudience. We have body sense, clairsentience, smell, taste, clair smell, clair taste. However, frequently we may find ourselves grazing in front of the refrigerator or roving on eBay 
trying to find something that will just, just that right, that right kind of t-shirt, that right kind of video game on Amazon, and so on and so on. Why is this? Well, these kinds of things cover, cover up distraction. There is a great song by um, a wonderful singer. It's called Trailer Park. And what she's saying is that we're buying a little more distraction. Same trailer, different park. And what she's saying is that we are trying to buy each day a little bit more distraction. I'm going to let that go because I can't turn it off. I'm waiting for the vets. I am so sorry. Yes, that is the song from that series of movies. There you go. Don't you hate it? Absolutely. Same trailer, different park. Each one of us trying to buy a little bit more distraction. It's called Merry Ground. And we are all on the merry-go-round. Which means that every day we may go around and around and around and around trying to um, handle work we don't like, relationships that aggravate us, families that give us problems, and so on and so on. However, we don't want to be alone. We don't want to keep doing the same things everybody tells us to do. And so we feel hurt in our hearts. We drink it away. We feel pain in our back. We smoke it away. And so Casey Musgraves says the following. She says, Mama's hooked on Mary Kay. Some of us get hooked on work addiction. So we work, we work, we work, we work. And compulsively working, earning work, earning work, ka-ching, releases opiates. Um, the same thing, gambling. You pull the lever, da-ding, 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 cling, releases opiates that give you a high. Mom is hooked on Mary Kay. Brother's hooked on Mary Jane. What's Mary Jane? Marijuana. Can you get hooked on marijuana? You can get hooked on anything. You can get hooked on, oh, I don't know, smoking anything. And it's because it becomes a psychological dependency. I know some people quit smoking, but they had to keep having a straw in their hands um, to distract them from something. Daddy's hooked on Mary two doors down. That's sex addiction. Sex also relieves opiates, releases opiates and oxytocin. We can escape a sense of emptiness inside a relationship that's not fulfilling by unrelenting drive for one release after another and after another. We get bored, so we get married. We have this emptiness inside of ourselves. We don't have a purpose in life. We don't have spiritual fulfillment. So we import somebody to distract us. We're on this broken merry-go-round that goes around and around and around and around. And so that is Casey Musgraves' merry-go-round. It is a fascinating, fascinating song which is about escapism and addiction. And so Rabbi Tversky says that addiction is a craving. We have all kinds of cravings. We have a craving for thirst, we drink. 
We have a craving for hunger, we eat. He says that we don't know the craving for the divine, for spirituality. So we do something in its place. We consume something. We distract us. They say that, he says that that craving is fulfilling a drive for spirituality. If you see that the receptor in our brain for a connection to the divine is the same universal neurotransmitter underlying all of addiction, you can see their point. Religious or spiritual ecstasy, the neurotransmitter underlying it is opiates. So you can see that we may be trying to get that same high that someone gets from ecstatic state of connecting to an other world. We can get that same high from helping somebody. Nothing is more wonderful than seeing someone in pain, relieving that pain, and watching them just go, oh my God, I can't believe it. Thank you so much. It is such a high. However, then they always need you, then they're dependent on you, and then you're dependent upon them being dependent on you, so you are co-dependent. And you are hooked on them. They are hooked on you. This is no good. You have to know you're lovable even when you're not needed. And so therefore, your lovability is dependent on them. This is no good. So those are people who are rescuing, addicted to rescuing. And frequently, that's the connection between intuition and addiction, is many people who are intuitive are rescue addicts. So you might say, is it really two words of the compulsion? Well, there's a whole body of literature that addiction isn't just opiates. It's a compulsive behavior like OCD. So if you look at people with eating disorders, they also have a component of obsessive compulsive disorder and addiction. Because starving yourself gives you a high at one level. So a lot of times people can do fasts, can do cleanses, and this is a monthly thing, and it induces something in their brain that gives them a high. Drama is another example. If you have a whole humdrum life, and you're bored, and you have an emptiness in it, and you don't know how to find purpose, you may import excitement, dopamine, through someone else's exciting life. It used to be we had soap operas, now we have reality shows, which are not real, not reality. So they manufacture it. They condense events, and they manufacture it. Recently, I was told to do stuff on TikTok by someone. I want to get a radio show, but they said a radio is dead, which I have a hard time believing. And they said TikTok is where they're at. So they showed me how to do it. They told me how to do a live TikTok. And I did it. I did it. Okay. You got to type a thing. You got to make the letters blue. And they also said, you got to make it another 15 seconds because no one listens to anything that's longer than 15 seconds. So already we have condensed information into a dramatic, very quick, dramatic, short period of time. Unbelievable. So we have completely distorted attention into a hyper-dopaminergic event. But nonetheless, if you watch the other people who have these 15-second lives, they're like, I've got a deal for you. It's so exhausting because it's so shrill. I sit at it and I look at it and the side of those people, I look like Eric Severide. I look like a boring, boring person. However, after doing a few of them, and I did them in 15 seconds, and I don't consider myself specifically boring, I could not believe it. What did I get? I got a bunch of people soliciting me for sex. Sex? Can you believe it's sex? 
I could not believe it. So you mean to tell me that TikTok is about sex? I had no idea. I thought that was trigger or whatever the hell that thing is when people switch, switch to the left or to the right. Trigger or something like that. I have no idea. Suffice it to say, TikTok, you've lost your mind. So every five seconds, you get a uh, message. You get a message. You get a message. And then when I run very quickly, because it's exciting, because it's dramatic, I go there and it's like, hi, how are you? Would you like to meet up? No, no, I don't want to meet up. I have enough stuff going on in my house. I got a cat here with Graves' disease. I got another one. I'm spreading the ashes on my birthday. Like, I don't have enough problems over here. I need to have you hitting on me on TikTok. Like, it doesn't, it sounds like a bomb. TikTok, TikTok. I have enough problems. I don't need any more. Then, of course, there's pain. <laughs> pain evokes, people use pain as a um can evoke addiction however people do self-injurious behavior they cut themselves and it can be addictive because the mere fact of cutting yourself can induce opiates a release of opiates locally which brings up a whole nother other thought pattern which I don't want to use a label, but if you've ever done an exercise that is self-torturing, like marathon running and stuff like that, it does release a high because there's something about it. Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Oh my God, I just did it. Let me do it again. Let me see if I can do it longer. Because first I ran a one mile and then I got over the stitch on my side because it hurt like a son of a bitch. And then I did three miles. And once I got through three miles, I did five. And then I did seven. And then, you know, we worked up to 13, 15, 17. And there was a time when you pass while well, you're running. And you run and you feel like you're running on stubs for legs. You can't really feel your legs. They're like these femurs connected to tibia and fibulas. And there's nothing. in It's just like basically you're running on stubs. And you're so numbed because I think your body's releasing opiates or something. It, you're beyond high. It's like, can I do this? And once you do it, you think, oh my God, I just did that. So then you think I'll do it again. There has to be something wrong with that, but it definitely is addictive. They say that um, everybody has their form of addiction. And that people with cigarettes, they take a straw and they'll put it in their mouth, that there is some kind of um, ceremonial aspect of it, like after dinner or being out you know, with other people. And that once you get clean and sober, you can't hang out with the same people. I get that. I still hang out in running shorts. And when I get up in the morning and I hear people's running shoes on gravel, I get the same feeling. It's like friends of mine who chew nicotine gum. It's the same thing. I hear shoes on gravel and it brings me right back. And then when I, I walk every day, I say, I got to go for a run. I don't say I got to go for a walk. I say, I got to go for a run because it's entrained in me. It's a ceremonial thing. It is something entrained in my brain that becomes part of my cycle that my life becomes entrained with. Could you say it regulates my emotions? Could you say it regulates me to the divine? I have no idea. I do know that all of us have a healthy addiction. We have healthy rituals. And then they like emotions and empathy and spirituality can run amok. I know somebody who ate carrots, so many carrots. Her name was Betsy. She was in a class of mine. But she turned orange. A carrot, for God's sakes. She ate, I don't know how many carrots, and she kept eating them until she turned orange. Carrots! Yep. Got out of control. I know people who drank so much water that they got hyponatremia, their sodium went down. So you can overdo anything. 
You can overdo love. You can overdo sex. You can overdo running. You can overdo prayer and spirituality. I know people, they say they're on a spiritual path. They'll say it 9,000 times right in front of you. They would say, I'm on a spiritual path because I just got through a divorce. And it's in reaction to a divorce. Is it choice or is it a reaction? What are you running away from? So then it gets out of control until it becomes more integrated. If it's integrated in a balance, but if you have a gene that is predisposed to alcohol, for example, my mother was an alcoholic, God rest her soul. And when I had a um, back surgery in 2000, they had me connected to a morphine pump in the front and an epidural in the back because they basically sawed me in half on the front and the back from my neck all the way down. Day one, no problem. Day two, no problem. Day three, no problem. Day four, I'm pressing the pump and nothing's happening. So I call the nurse, nurse, <laughs> this pump is broken. She said, the pump is not broken. I said, yes, it is. She said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. And she said, it's too early. I said, what do you mean it's too early? It's too early. She said, I said, how could it be too early? She said, you're building up tolerance. I said, already? And in my mind, because of, neurochemistry and stuff. I knew what that meant. I went, oh my God, you mean to tell me that the receptors on my axons are already upregulating? She said, yes. I went, that's it. We're done. Because I knew that I would have two, two, two problems in one. And I would become a pain medicine addict. And that if I ever needed surgery in the future, that doctors would take me less seriously. Not to mention pain meds making pain worse. We got that going on. So I said, we're done. So now when I have surgery or any kind of treatment on my spine, I do any pain meds. And the doctors are like, this really hurts. And I'm like, yeah, it does. But it would really hurt if I became an opiate addict. We're done. So I know genetically I'm predisposed to that. Do I have an issue with chocolate? Probably. We keep it, keep it curbed. Was I on stimulants once? I'm not a stimulant person. I was on a lot of stimulants for um, narcolepsy. And then um, I was like, we're done. We're done. So maybe I'm not like my mother, but I could see the potential genetically. And once you flip the switch, we're done. So you have to find out what your addiction is when it becomes less integrated and if you get out of control, you get out of control and you need help. But know that anything and everything can become addiction and it covers up an emotion you can handle. But if you're in the field of intuition, chances are all roads lead to you find someone who needs help. You intuitively keyed into their pain. You want to help them. And chances are you'll find more people who need help. You'll help them. They need more help. You'll help them more. They become dependent on you. you. You feel great. You get a burst of opiates when you feel needed and blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, you're surrounded by dependent people and you are dependent on people needing you. You never know you're lovable unless you need it. You, my dear, are an addict. I am an addict. Hello, addict. It's not, it is not, confusing to me that if the receptor for intuition and mysticism is the opiate receptor, it is so for addiction. The 12 step, one of the 12 steps is, I know my life is out of control. I, the only way is to submit yourself to a higher power. Meaning if you see someone intuitively who's in pain, you know they have a higher power and you're in it. So the whole point of intuition is knowing that it's not your intuition. You may be keyed into that person's pain, but they have a higher power who can help them. It needs to be you. You can tell them once, you can tell them twice, and then 
signing off, you're on break. So we're taking calls. I'm putting this off, 207-846-6475. We have about a half an hour left. I'm very tired. I found out my cat, Loretta. After her bringing in a large bird, a large bird spread all over the floor, I don't want to tell you, I find out that she has Graves' disease. So I ran over there and got her medication. I still don't know what the difference is between medication and medicine, but if anybody can tell me that, that would be great. But anyway, I'm taking all comments. Can someone please um, ask a question? I am available. Who has a question? Raise your paw. And that is somebody at the front door banging. Anybody have a question? Nobody has a question. The phone is ready. 207-846-6475. 207-846-6475. Nobody's asking a question. Oh, here he is. Angie has a question. Oh, Angie's clapping because she has Loretta at the front door. <laughs> I can't. No, I do. I, I do have a question. It's okay. not for me, but it's for the general audience. Okay, go ahead. Um, how is that why you typically find most um, people who use their intuition, um, whether it's tarot readers or astrologers or something? typically what I have found, and I don't know if this makes sense, they typically have gone through some sort of addiction and are continuing on that path. Is that because they have experienced that giving over God and everyday type of thing, and um, they can understand that the, the higher power has taken over, that's why they can, they're really good at what they do? Or even if their business isn't intuition, if it's sales or whatever. Does that make sense? First of all, let's talk. Somebody's got an amazing ankle there. <laughs> Who that person is. But, um, a lot of people with addiction are anxious. A lot of people with addiction have had a history of trauma. Right, yeah. And um, when you look at the area in the brain for intuition, the amygdala is extremely important. When you look at studies of people with near-death experiences or they put a brain in the OR and uh, they stimulated, this was, I think, sure, I'm not Sheridan. I can't remember the guy's name, um, but anyway, they stimulated it. They had a mystical experience. They could see the divine. And that was the tip of the temporal pole where the amygdala is. Not the hippocampus is pouring outside. That's the cat. Hold on one second. I can't handle it. There's a cat outside with thyroid disorder getting wet. That's an ugly combination. Hold on one second. Now that is a perfect example. That is a perfect, hey, stop laughing. That is a perfect example of everyone is a work in progress. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You say that they connect to the divine, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay? So you got a right brain, you got a left brain, and you got a body. The right brain, you divide it in half. Half of it are your feelings, and half of it is awareness for someone else's. As far as spirituality and intuition, we say it's dominant to the right brain, meaning the right brain is more important for it function-wise, okay? Got it, get it good. I just pretty much exhibited the problem. So you go, is that why people who are in um, addiction, recovery, are into, I'm not, yeah, are into the uh, intuition field. 
and that's why they realize that you know that this has to do with the divine look what i just did i got a cat out there okay who just got diagnosed with graves disease god knows her heart rate's probably a hundred thousand all right it just started yeah. being um thunder and lightning outside i'm looking in the wrong direction they're over there now this screen keeps moving this zoom thing is out of control so I can't continue a Zoom without stopping, getting off the screen and letting the cats in. They're cats, hello, and there's a porch out there. They're not gonna get wet and there's newspapers they could read. Amuse yourself. It's only another 28 minutes. I can subtract in my head, that's remarkable. Suffice it to say, oh no, not to mention the fact there's a cat door. All they have to do, because they know how to work it, is push the door open and come in. Nope, they needed a valet. <laughs> they needed me to open the cat door for them. Do you understand? They could have come in if they wanted to. Uh-uh, they were dependent. I am codependent. Do you get that? I had to get up it. and open the cat door for them. That's idiotic, okay? That's as if I served them canopies can of, you know, like live the worst on Ritz crackers before their dinner. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's how, if you get so intuitively keyed into somebody's pain, if you don't know mindfulness, you will have an irresistible impulse to fix it. Mm -hmm. Kind of like if you're sitting at a table with someone at lunch and they got we're now at the end and we're getting ready to go back to lunch and they got a piece of lettuce sticking in their teeth <laughs> and a piece of chocolate stuck on their chin it's very hard to not do something about it <laughs> now if you didn't like the person you, you just, just let, it let it go, okay? But if you liked them, you could not do anything about it. So you say, you just got some kind of thing in your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. No. And say, you know, you just go to the bathroom and fix it before you go to work. No. So they'll go, okay. And then what happens is it becomes a problem because chances are you can't get it out of your teeth. You go, right. nope, you missed it. It's the other side. Now... I went to the left, to the right. It becomes a whole exposition right there. The point of the matter is you become glued into their, pulled into their mishigas, which means madness. Sure. And after five seconds of that, you just say, well, you'll just figure it out. No, you keep going. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy With Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. My point yeah. is, is that you cannot, it's a, it's an irresistible impulse. In psychiatry, it's called the McNaughton rule. It's an evaluation of a psych consult where if somebody does something, do they have the capacity to resist? So if somebody breaks into like, I remember I had a patient of this, they broke into a fast food restaurant and stole the twisties, the things you stir coffee with, and clearly people don't break into a store to, to steal stirrers. They steal money or money. right. So I had to do a psych eval to find out if they had an irresistible impulse. They're just going to go in there and steal stuff. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. as well as evaluate, does he know who the prosecution is? Does he know his defense? And I had to prove that he had an irresistible impulse, that he just steals stuff, anything that was not nailed down. So the thing is, is that because a person is intuitive, they lack some frontal lobe. They're disinhibited. Oh, they can't shut sure. the hell up. So 
because they blurt out their intuition where most people have more frontal lobe. And so they everybody has intuition, but they have this frontal lobe muzzle on top that they keep it to themselves. Or to to yeah. quote Medea, they keep the shut to the up. If you have PTSD, <laughs> cortisol and norepinephrine might give you more impulsivity or bipolar too, that you tend to blurt things out. If you have ADHD, you might have what they call, they used to call minimal brain injury, which is, you gotta love that. And neuroanatomy, you have a problem with the attentional network, which is premotor area, um, has to do with focus attention, the right hemisphere, which is divided attention, and maybe the brainstem, which is produces dopamine. Either way, you have trouble with resisting impulse. You tend to be impulsive. Not that I have this problem. <laughs> so if I hear someone oh, banging on the door, I don't, neither one of us do. If I hear someone bang on the door, if I hear potential pain, I got to get up. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a live broadcast, I got to get up. And if, and if somebody is doing something and they're in pain, I go, by the way, it blurts out. Or if I'm in a professional setting, I will close my mouth and use my hand as frontal lobe. I will clamp my mouth shut, which is barely done. My point is, is that um, people use mindfulness. People use cognitive therapy or group work. If you have something called dual diagnosis, which is if you have an addiction and ADHD, and you say you use your your addiction du jour was cocaine. Cocaine. What do you have for breakfast? Cocaine. That's a movie. What is it called? Role Models. Love that. Um, what do you have for lunch? Cocaine. It's because <laughs> basically you are dosing yourself um, with Ritalin because you're using it for the part of your brain that you don't have. So you you figure out a way, you use a dual diagnosis. You learn how to handle the addiction piece, the compulsion, and you also deal with the brain problem. That's why they call it dual diagnosis. However, suppose you don't have that disorder. Suppose you have garden variety, diagonal addiction. Yeah. Family systems. It's still a compulsive disorder. You still have to reframe it with mindfulness, blah, 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 DBTS. You still use the cognitive behavioral group network. Um, and you still might have to buff up your brain from years and years of various neurotransmitters being used up. For example, I have a friend who probably was got some brain issues with ADHD. However, treating him for that with stimulants was difficult because he used cocaine for years. He also had a problem with depression and he came to me for a consultation. I said, try Prozac. He goes, didn't work. Try Zoloft, didn't work. Try Wellbutrin, didn't work. And he was honest. He was very spiritual, religious. <laughs> and he went, um, to be honest with you, I went, yes. He says, I think I'm look, work, looking for that zip, that stimulus that cocaine gave me. And I think nothing you're going to be able to give me is going to do that. But he understood 12 step and he acquired it through 12. spirituality. He didn't have to go. Well, he did go to 12 step, but he said to me, you are sinning unto our Lord. I went, what? You are sinning unto our Lord. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know that commandment? I went, which one? He said, the one you are supposed to um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I said, yeah. He said, you love your neighbor more than yourself. I went, oh. He's the kind of guy that wears his baseball hat backwards and wears, you know, sweats everywhere. And you kind of underestimate him. Mm -hmm. okay. I said, clever. What he's saying is I'm codependent. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Spot. Does that yeah. make sense? It does. It does. It does. Thanks. Not a problem. Anybody else? There's a couple of people raising questions. You can't just ask the comment. You have to raise your question because that means you have a um, you're uh, opting out. 
KG, and I have a hard be time believing that you are mute in your daytime. Um, Susan says, Casey Musgraves, she loves her. Uh, Bruce Hill says, loved also travel post-COVID. That's different. That's like... Um, I hate to bring this as an example, but during the concentration camps, obviously people were starving to death. So when they got out, what did they do? They ate everything and they got sick. And so they had to regulate them for re-entry. Um, the same thing with travel or, or um, re-entry of society and relationships. It's warped people's brains of engagement. People have become more socially anxious, phobic, sensitized. Um, it may have unmasked social phobia, unmasked some phobias. Nonetheless, people are running amok. And it becomes a... Um, it's like a starvation you haven't eaten in years. And so you throw yourself into it over your head. Um, but then you would get um, overwhelmed by excess because nothing succeeds like excess, which is probably my motto. I'm not an excessive person, but I can speak about it highly as if I had much experience. It's almost genetically um, translated on both of my chromosomes. Um, so I'll just move along, shall I? Um, my Aunt Evie had three Madonna bathtubs in her front yard, small, medium, and large, depending on the prayer request. So a friend of mine, um, Sarah, comes and visits me. And she's not feeling good lately. So the best thing I can do since I can't help her feel better with her health problem is I can keep her within beverages. But do I get her like a couple, like couple six packs now? We got cases here. <laughs> cases. So if I can't get every flavor, I'll get different flavors from different pur purveyors. So I had so many six packs, 12 packs, 64 packs. I don't know where to put them in my house. Is that addictive? Hey, Kathy, Kamara, no. <laughs> it is. There are these words in psychiatry that there are board exams, compensation, um, undoing, and you have to match the net word with the definition. And they're not all addiction, 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 addiction. Because if you call everything an addiction, which some people do, then it loses its meaning. Um, it doesn't release, it doesn't have anything to do with anxiety. It, it, for me, it's like I'm undoing her illness. Um, it's the one thing I can do. I do know that um, for a while I sent her a lot of food. There goes a mini pearl in the background. Um, I do know that for a while I had her on ownership on everything. And then I realized I couldn't do that because that was making it worse. So I stopped it. And I thought that was healthy. If it was truly an addiction, I would have had a hard time doing that. You would have had to fly me away from the auto uh, subscribe on Amazon. And believe me, I did. I had auto subscribed um, coffee, Poco Chico, this uh, kind of beverage. It's, an, um, it's a, a Mexican beverage, all kinds of things, um, bone broth. I mean, usually, People get other things. But then I just stopped it. I realized you can't do that because that's a definition of codependence. If you keep feeding the seagulls, then they can't hunt for themselves. 
if you keep giving your child stuff because you feel they need you, then they won't be able to support themselves. So if they're in pain and you're like, well, I can't because they can't do this. You're codependent. I realize that I can't do that. If I'm because that's basically saying, well, you know, you can't survive without me. So I said, I can't do that. So I thought that was a step in the right house. So now I got all these beverages here. I don't know what to do with. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's a good point, Kathy Gomara. I'm not answering your question unless you um unless you get on, you unmute yourself. I am a tough pain in the ass. Anybody yeah. else? There she know. goes. I didn't know you were. Oh, no, I put out the number five million times on your prevent because your question is a sixth in a fifth center. Sixth has to do with perception, thought, morality, eyes, ears, and mouth. Go ahead. The question is in the answer. Why am I so sick? I've had vertigo for the past few years. I'm told I have thyroid problems. They're having trouble getting it balanced and chronic fatigue for like 30 years. You actually read for me 30 years ago. Well, you know in part what your problem is. Yeah, you do. But you're being cagey. You want to know what I think. I do want to know what you think. And I can no, tell, no, no, I can no, share no, no. with you. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. The key is sixth center, perception, thought, morality. In pot, you know it. Insight is associated with a change in behavior. Vinci is smiling and she's going, we see this. We see this. Insight, knowing, is not worth anything unless it's connected to the area for movement in the body. So you have six center problems, vertigo, ears, dizziness, ears, thyroid, having a voice. You have all of that, but you have trouble connecting it to movement. And there are a lot of people who are sick, but they move. Bruce was there last year. Bruce knows that I had spinal cord injury. I couldn't move my hands. In fact, I even forgot that. The year before, I had paralyzed hands. They did surgery on my hands because they thought it was a hand problem, both hands, and it wasn't. Then I walked forward and I heard something crack in my neck and I couldn't move my feet. And for our class, they moved me around. I still taught my class. I was sicker than a schnauzer. I thought it because I was going to do it. It was the last thing on earth I was going to do. I was going to do this. I never said I was sick. I was injured. I think it's interesting that dizziness and vertigo you think is sick. Well, I mean, because I have others. I know, other no, 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 that... What, what? No, no, no. Last night, and for the neck, I have an arrhythmia. My heart rate went up to 170. 100 and flipping 70. Bruce is going, yeah, it did. It's for the last three days. It's been 170. Yeah. So when I got up, I was like, e cadaz, which in Portuguese means, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to faint, which means if I fall, it's not good because that means lights out because I only have one disc left. So I went, wow, that's interesting. I wonder if it's the, old, the new pillow I have because the new pillow would compress my neck, which would mess up this carotid body, which would cause an arrhythmia. So I'm thinking, why is that? But I never considered it sick. Okay. So you're well, saying I should say, not? No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And you've been like this for 30 years. So my whole life, I've had spinal problems. And I get this sore throat, stupid stuff. With the sore throat. Again, with the sore throat. And then the fatigue. And the sore throat and the fatigue. So you know what I call it now? I call it what I do. I call it normal for me. Because if it's going on for 30 flipping, I know you're not going to like this. I knew I don't want it to be normal. Hey, that's too bad what you don't like. I don't like not being five foot eight. <laughs> I know you want it to be different. But for right now, for now, this is your set point. And for now, 
You have to be productive where you are so you can get better. Am I saying you don't want to be better? No, that's not what I'm saying. For now, if you've been this way for 30 flipping years. More than 30. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Everybody here knows that my health has been a disaster since I was 12. Trucks, cars, bleeding in the OR. It's who I am. It makes for a good medical intuitive. I've been, I've known, this is intuitive advisor principle number six. Listen closely. People who are intuitive tend to have a specific temperament and physical health. They tend to be anxious, moody, irritable, and tend to have hard to treat health problems. That's many of the many of the great saints who are medically intuitive tended to be have very difficult, hard to treat health problems. For one, they were nervous and not what you call ordinary housewives. Notice I'm not getting up and getting the, the book. I'm almost reading it word for word. It's on page nine of the Intuitive Advisor. Why? Because I've read it nine million times. They're easy to get in an argument with, which I know in five seconds, you're going to get in an argument with me. That's okay. <laughs> because the, you're not the first. Because everyone who has this temperament, but that's because that's the brains and bodies are reactive. Right brain to body, pain, fatigue, and immune system because they tend to pick up what's going on around them. So what you learn, need to learn to do, if it's not tinnitus, it will be vertigo. If it's not that, it'll be an arrhythmia. If it's not that, it'll be immune system creating an allergy, creating a virus. It's not, your body is reacting to what's going on around you. So you need to learn how to master the boundary of your emotions and what's going on around you. You need to learn how to take them to your left brain, name them, respond effectively, and release them so you don't go down to your adrenal gland and trigger a domino effect in your immune system and your adrenal gland, producing epinephrine and increasing your chance toward having problems with blood pressure, heart rate, and nerve tissue. I know this because I've taken it and I've taught this class. It's the only reason why I'm alive. So you, how old are you? 63. I'm 62. Okay. So this is not a competition of who suffered. There's no such thing as a suffering Olympics. Although I've tried to attend several times and they've never given me the pass. Apparently they always give a goal to somebody in Eastern Europe because they have more suffering in Eastern Europe. Blah, blah, blah. Those people are always complaining because, you know, Apparently, there's no nuclear power plants there. You know, there's, there's always something with those people. My point is, <laughs> this is who you are. This is normal for you. If I were you, I'd learn how your brain and body are uniquely wired to learn how to regulate your emotions with people around you and your environment. It's your one position of power. So then it can teach you how to switch off your autonomic nervous system to make your dizziness and tinnitus better, to switch off your immune system so that it can make your viruses better. If you're trying to think about what you're going to say next, you're wasting your time. No, I was, I was just going to say that this is ah, kind just, of what you told me 30 told. years ago. But you just did what I just said you were. You were waiting to sing. Instead of listening to what I was saying, you were waiting to say what you were going to say. Okay. Uh, you say, okay, I'm not trying. 30 years ago. So 30 years have gone by. If the same thing has happened every single day for 30 years, what have you learned? I didn't no, no, know how I want you to, no, no, before you answer the question, I want you to consider it. In the movie, The Mona Lisa Smile, 
You had all these girls who were very brilliant. And you're not stupid. You're very, very smart. Look at those glasses. Look at that hair. You get it all pushed to the left. Plus, I don't even know how you figured out how to do that Zoom with the background. So clearly, you've got some ability there. Because I haven't figured it out, okay? I can just about get the stuff out of the first floor because we had a flood down there and we still haven't figured that place out. But no, you figured that out. So I want you to consider it. And the Mona Lisa smile, she had a bunch of very smart, very educated people. Where'd you go to college? Uh, just uh, locally, Ramapo Community College. Perfect. You're smart. You could have gone farther and you know it. I was afraid. I had too much anxiety. DDT is very good for anxiety. But Vincy's making her dinner. Hey, Vincy, put on some broccoli for me. Anyway, make a long story short. So she had all these people at who are very nervous and as she's putting on broccoli for me. Thank you, Vincy. She, she had all these people who were very nervous and anxious and meticulously memorized everything on the syllabus before they even started the class. And it, it got, got the teacher angry. So she brought them to a Jason Pollock exhibit. And she just said, Julia Roberts looked at them and said, Listen, don't say anything. I want you to look at the painting. I want you to consider it. I don't want you to think about whether you like it or not. I want you to consider it. Anxiety goes through adrenal gland. It produces epinephrine. Anxiety goes through the adrenal gland. It takes whatever body fat you do have. Take a breath. I can already see what you're doing. Take a breath. It goes through adrenal gland and takes whatever body fat you do have, converts it via progesterone to excess cortisol, which either gives you allergies or messes up your immune response. Interesting. So therefore, I said this 30 years ago. If I didn't, it must have been an off day. The last off day I had was 1964 when I was four. Okay, so <laughs> it that had to be, it couldn't have been that I didn't say it. Suffice it to say, Learning to regulate your anxiety will almost certainly help improve your immune response, improve T suppressor cells, regulate T natural killer cells against viruses, chronic fatigue, improve autonomic nervous function. And if anything, improve your quality of life. Because you know what's interesting, Kathy Kamora? What? 30 years ago, I was 30. Do you know how many discs ago that was? First of all, that was two breasts since ago that I've lost. That was a sur two surgeries ago, one of which I died, bled out, and had to be resuscitated. It was in the ICU. It was on a ventilator. Yeah. That was a car ago where I got run over by a car. That was a surgery ago where this entire digestive tract died. And now I have to bladder and bowel function. I have to take a medicine that costs me $2,500 a month so I can swallow, eat, urinate without getting bowel obstructions. That's two spinal cord injuries ago. I'm smiling. Yeah, I, I suffer from severe anxiety. I am one of the most mm -hmm. anxious things. I really am. You really. don't seem it. Because I'm compensating. This is a study in compensation. Look at me. This is a Mickey Mouse shirt. I go to I go to Disney World. I go to Disney World to hang out with what I call the normal people. Now talk about normal. I go there watch the families, and when the kids start to scream and have meltdowns, I think it's hilarious, because I just look down at myself and go, that's why I tied my tubes at 36. <laughs> <laughs> and then I laugh. 
crap. And I just like to watch the normal families because I can go home. I love it. Other people are like, you go to Disney World? Do I look miserable? Having health problems and suffering does not mean you have to be miserable. It's a dialectic. You can suffer and be incredibly happy. Many of the great saints suffered and were very happy. Do I look miserable to you? <laughs> no, you don't. So then I you do. have to ask yourself, why? Because I know I that's why why am i miserable i first of all i have my moments i pray a lot okay. and when i'm upset and angry it feels awful i don't like being angry and when i'm i know I want a radio show and in 2000 or something like that, before that, I went all over the place with this press kit and I went right in. Hi, my name is, what's yours? And I handed her a press kit. We're not interested. Bang, they slammed the door in your face. So I go in the next door. Hi, my name is, what's yours? Bang. You think how many times you like that? Same thing with jobs. I do the same thing, put a suit on. Hi, my name is, bang. Because necessity is the mother of invention. You can't win unless you shoot the puck. So here I am. How many surgeries? How many transfusions? How many spinal cord injuries? One disc left. Called the hangman's disc. How many times I've changed my will? Last time was in October. So now I I did a one pager and know exactly where I have to go and who I have to go to to pitch my radio show. And I remember the thought I thought, I'm so tired. I don't know if I have it in me to do it. I just don't think I can hustle anymore. And you know what the next thought was? Then why are you alive? Why are you alive? Because that's not alive. What is that? No. Mocking time, treading water until you die? You get out of that funk and you just flip and do it. Otherwise, for what did God, the universe, or whatever you believe in save you from? Why am I alive then if not to do what I'm supposed to be doing? So do you know today after getting saving that cat, do you know how hard that was after my cat died in 12 hours two weeks ago and having to spread her ashes on my birthday? It, I didn't realize how bad it was. I was so tired and traumatized. I wanted to cancel the show. And I went, you know what? I learned from my good friend, Naomi Judd, who suicided. Oh, yeah. I said, you know what she taught me? The show must go on. When I was at Hilton Head and I was speaking with somebody and they ran out of information, they came, I was walking on the beach with her and it was my time. I was off duty. And they come running on the beach and they say, you got to come back. You got to come back. You've got to um, teach. And I said, no, I don't. I took my eyelashes off. I have no makeup on. Once you take your eyelashes off, that's it. You've messed up your that's eye it, makeup. Yeah. I don't know if you have that. And my, I have baseball cap on. So that means I've ruined my hair. I got a hat head. I'm not going on again. And she turned to me and said, you're going on. I said, why? And she said, because there's fans in the seats, the show must go on. And even though I was exhausted, tapped out, bird feathers all over the kitchen, I went back to the vets, scheduled the surgery, came back and did an Instagram live, half an hour, a Facebook live, a half an hour. And then I came back here because if I'm alive, the show must go on. If there's one left breath in my body, 
And so if I can say anything to you, Kathy Kamora, you may be as exhausted, as tired as a schnauzer. You must be as dizzy, as dizzy as can be. And ringing in your ears that it sounds like you have Big Ben, <laughs> the Tower of London in your head. If you're still here, you're going to make it a great day. As if it were your last. Because that's all you got. What else are you going to do? Thank you for welcoming me into your day. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank live you. well, live wonderful, be brilliant. Have a great day. See you Thank next you. week. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.